This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Trent Dalton, welcome back to Better Reading. Cheryl, it's always an honour. Thanks for having me. It is always very exciting. You know, I mean, I think we've been very lucky and you're in great company because we had Chris Hammer in yesterday. Love the guy. Love him. Yeah, yeah. And then we had Brian Brown. Brian Brown playing, (laughs) well, (laughs) most unlikely um, he's become a friend of mine because he played... Oh, has he? Yeah, he he played Slim Halliday from Boy Spoilers Universe in the upcoming Netflix series. Oh, yeah. yeah, I love that guy. And the most bizarre thing is that... You know, my brothers and I worshipped that guy in the 1980s, you know, mm. the Shirley Breaker Morant cocktail, mm. Tom Cruise cocktail. And I found out yesterday he was brought up in Panania near Bankstown. I mean, oh. that's, you know. Oh, well, he, he, his Sydney upbringing board. and my upbringing are quite similar. Mm. And, yeah, he sort of saw the Sydney side of it. And you read his books, as you have, you know, like The Drowning, for example, mm. is very much filled with his knowledge of... Mm. The stuff he saw growing up, yeah. yeah. And that's why yeah. he and he acts authentically, and turns out he writes authentically as and well. And is authentic, you know. Oh, don't you love he that? so is. Yeah. So are you. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Trent is a two-time Walkley Award-winning journalist and the international best-selling author of Boy Swallows Universe, All Our Shimmering Skies, and Love Stories. His books have sold over 1.2 million copies in Australia alone. Netflix is adapting Boy Swallows Universe in an eight-part series scheduled for release early next year. Today he's talking about his uh, latest novel, Lola in the Mirror. I've got to say I love the title as well as that book. Is a moving, black, funny, heartbreaking and beautiful novel of love, fate, life and death and all the things we see when we look in the mirror. Do you know, I, I want to start with this because it's what we do here. I read a really terrible review of Lola in the Mirror in The Guardian I don't know if you saw it. Oh, I saw it. I saw it. Yeah, okay. (laughs) No, no, crushed me. Yeah, yeah, killed me. But don't let it crush you because this is what I think, right? I think people don't want to talk about feelings and the nuance of life. Like when I hear people talking about Palestine right now, no one, the politicians don't go down to the level of genocide. And I think your books in a way... They go down to that level of human spirit and some people just don't get it. Yeah, yeah. That's what that person did not get, oh. that these books come from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Cheryl, we need that, more of that, Oh, Trent. thank you so much. And, yeah, it – oh, Cheryl, that's a beautiful thing to say. Thank you, yeah. And don't get me wrong, I've heard they had the best reviews I've ever had for a book. And it was just that one did kill well, me yeah. because you, you do put your heart and soul into it. And I remember my wife reading it out to me and I'm like there with a bloody oh. sheet over my head oh, just going, yeah. oh, I can't hear it, it's killing me, I'm dying. But but you got to remember why you did something. And, well, and- do you know, I read it, I came in and I said to Jane, I said, this is the problem. This is our problem, <laughs> that people don't go down to the human level. Oh, well... 
okay, so you're standing on your tippy toes trying to hold onto the light, right? Mm. You're trying to feel stuff, yeah. and it's the easiest thing to kick someone in the guts when mm. someone's doing that. That's that's and just that's a what fact they were of, criticizing. That's the a, fact yeah, that that's, you felt stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, God, and I, I own every that. bit of it. That's fine. I'm not. I'm not immune to. Um, oh, you know, and I'm I not, own it uh, too. We yeah, like it. That's it. That's it. You just <laughs> and that's it. You you got to swallow that, and it's all part of your existence and life, and all part. It's certainly part of the publishing process. Mm. Um, what got me was sometimes they get me wrong about where my optimism comes from, mm. and I and I want to. You know, I want to phone them up mm. and just go, can I Can I please tell you, mm-hmm. it's like, can I just tell you for a second where mm. that sentimentality mm. and that humanity and optimism, that that re- relentless holding onto the light comes from? And it's like, oh, sure, for this book, okay. I mean, my optimism comes from my mum being in a Telstra phone box in the 1990s half dead mm-hmm. because of mm-hmm. a man who tried to kill her, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and... I've seen that. I've mm-hmm. seen her overcome that. You've seen the domestic uh, violence figures this week. It, it's something like five women, women die a week. I saw that. They were just out the we, other day. Cheryl, we are up to 57 women mm. so far this year. Mm. So far this year, 57 women dead through this stuff. Mm. And that guy, you know, in that piece they said, oh, you know, you've got to be careful how we call um, these people who are doing these things, right? You know, Trent calls them monsters. Well, mm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When I was 12, Cheryl, I promise you, they looked like freaking monsters. Oh. They look like monsters to us Dalton boys, mm. mate. And, oh, absolutely. And and they look like monsters to every kid mm. who's in a DV shelter out in the suburbs mm. of every major city across mm. Australia as we mm. speak. And that's sort of where I, I try and just – I've been telling anyone I've been talking to when I talk about Lola, it's like, please, please don't think anything I'm trying to do is – Firstly, political, which is some sometimes suggested, which I find like mm. hilarious. Nothing about my writing is political. My writing's about life or death. Mm. It's about do I stop or do I continue? Mm. Do I love or do I hate? Mm. And 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 every time I'm trying to go for the love. But when you do that, absolutely. Mm. It's like you know, like what you're saying. When mm. when you care mm. for people dying mm. in war. Mm. You put yourself up mm. to be kicked in the guts. Yeah, and, and it's absolutely. treacherous these days, sadly, Terrible. you know, to, Terrible. To, to say you give a shit. And when people are wheeling and dealing and making the deals, nobody thinks that at this very moment hundreds of kids are dying or buried under rubble because why don't we say that? Mm. But mm. I think you've got the guts to say things. <laughs> you know, this is what I mean. And I'm not talking about Palestine, but you oh. expose yourself in terms of heartfelt. Oh, and it's always because I've seen the reverse of that show. Yeah. I've seen what happens when men don't. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've written about it in journalism. You know, every problem in DV can mm. be solved through men. Mm. And, and, you know, I urge every, you know, if I call them monsters, I urge every monster out there currently doing that to a woman mm. in a kitchen, in an Australian kitchen, I urge them to get the help they need to return to being a man. Mm. That can be done. That mm. is actually possible. And I've written stories about that too. I've mm. sat... I've sat in a rehabilitation centre with 12 men who are just out of prison for domestic violence sentencing mm-hmm. and they're getting their rehabilitation. I will never forget, Cheryl, I sat with one man, he goes, um, this is the sort of stuff that's going through their head. This one guy I remember, they're in a circle and they had to talk about what they've done. One guy goes, yeah, I did lock my wife in a car and yes, I did pour petrol over the <gasps> car, but I didn't set it alight. And everyone was going, no, do you understand what you're saying there? You're trying mm-hmm. to justify your actions. Like, that is absolutely terrifying what you did. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of, this is the problem. This is how mm-hmm. hard it is to unmake a monster. And mm-hmm. I feel 
I don't know. Because of the stuff I've seen, Cheryl, that's where I'm coming from. Mm. I feel really part of partly responsible to, to just share some of that stuff, but also to also let people know that if you are in the cracks, I promise you there is a light. Mm. I know that people don't always see it or find it or hold on to it, but I promise you it's there and 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 you can find it. And you that's know. another thing that I just remember that that review was criticising is that you saw positivity and a light in people. I mean, what's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, the question was, you know, and I guess it comes down to: can you write about? Um, can you write about an issue like the 120,000 people who sleep rough every night right yeah. across Australia? Can you put romance and love and wonder um, and light in a world like that? Of course you can. Like of course it is the most can. insulting thing in the world to think yeah. you can't. And my problem, like that, that, that was told to me by people who were homeless when yeah. I was doing journalism. They would yeah. go, they would even tell me, Cheryl, they'd go, "Stop writing about all the dark stuff. Stop writing about me." This, this is, is a our woman. life. Yeah, stop writing about me. Yeah, I'd write all these really earnest journal type pieces where it's like. Mary's been homeless for 15 years. She hasn't seen her daughter in Sydney for 12 years, you know, and she goes, can you just stop? Can you start writing about the fact that I've fallen in love on these streets, Mm -hmm. the fact that I laugh on these streets, Mm -hmm. the fact that I've got a home in these streets without actually necessarily having a house. Mm -hmm. I I don't have a roof and four walls, Mm -hmm. but I have a home among Mm -hmm. my 20 friends that that I love dearly and I find the light with, you know, and that's what I'm trying to get at. Uh, Many, many years ago when I thought, you know, I don't even know if I thought about homelessness much then. But anyway, I was working at Grace Brothers. I think it was on the shop floor or something. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Grace Brothers doesn't exist anymore. But um, they had this program where homeless people were being brought off the streets and housed. And, you know, this young woman was starting a learning how to, be, you know, work in a department store or be a salesperson. I will never forget her and forget her face. And, you know, she was dressed for work and she came in in the morning. She was really shy and whatever. And very often um, they've got skin that's been exposed to the sun, yeah, you right. know, because yeah. they've been out. Anyway, I got around the counter and we were chatting and I was talking to her about her life. And I said to her, right, so you do this. And when somebody comes up and that's an F-box machine and blah, blah, blah. And she said, you know what happens? You guys complicate everything. She said, when you strip it back, life is really simple. And I thought, she is dead right. Uh, Don't we complicate everything? We absolutely complicate everything. Mm. Well, here's the situation I found in all my journalism on these issues, these social affairs issues. Oftentimes it comes down to two very simple emotions, sorrow and confusion, sadness Mm. And feeling lost. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I can bring it down to that, right? When you see someone sleeping in the street, right? Often, yeah, I'm trying to get away from the fact that, yes, yes, drugs and drink will keep you on the street, but it's not always the thing that mm-hmm. puts you on the street. And I, you go through and interview anyone who's been on the street and ask them actually about their detour, I call it their mm-hmm. detour moment, the moment that sets you on the path. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's very, very, like, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people think it's never going to happen to them, but oh, that line is a very fine line. Especially in 2023. It used to yeah. be three steps, Cheryl. Yeah. It used to be, but now it's two steps. It used yeah. to be two, it used to be three bad steps of, of misfortune. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's two now because the third step, you used to be able to rely on social housing. Well, it's a two-year wait. At least it is in Brisbane, my home city, and I'm sure it's similar in mm-hmm. Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah. And, yeah, that's just the fact now. But if you can reduce it to simple emotions that we all feel every day, sorrow and confusion, it's like I felt that all the time. Mm. I feel that almost 
every week, but I'm very lucky that I don't have to feel it on a 24-7 basis. Mm-hmm. And that, that amazing woman who spoke to you in Grace Brothers is so right. You guys complicate everything. It's <laughs> so right. true. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And it's like if you reduce it, act from the heart, think about yourself and apply yourself to um, these situations and, and how you would feel. It suddenly all gets very simple. It was funny because she was there for me to teach her, right? Right. Uh, yeah. But I was taught. I learned oh. so much from oh, her. Oh, nice flip. Yeah, 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 yeah really yeah. nice. Brilliant. Um, I visit um, San Francisco, you probably know this, three months every year. Anyway, post-COVID, the homelessness is even... Oh, yeah, it's pretty rough out there. Yeah, yeah. much, much worse yeah. than it was. And uh, the, the last trip was particularly bad because the weather was bad as well. Right. Like, oh, so there's right. lots of heavy winds and rain and whatever. And there was this young guy, he was in a wheelchair, he had no legs, he would have been about 21, 22, and he was out there on the street under a tree for three days. Oh, damn. And you'd call services, there aren't any. They're limited. There's so many people. It's an epidemic over there. You know, I get caught up in nonsense, you know, I really do. I get caught up in things that I just go, you know, Mm. real first world problem things Mm. and I just, you know. Then you remember. You remember, you just... (laughs) You remember war, you know, mm. remember what's going on in the Middle mm. East or, you know, and then you remember that guy, you know, mm. you think about that guy. Mm. You, yeah, right. Mm. I know. It's very powerful. Now, yeah. let's talk about something lovely. I read, because I follow you on Instagram, and I read that little love story that you wrote, the guy that came to see you. Oh. <laughs> Can you tell me about that? I oh. love that. That's the one where he met his... Oh, oh, well, this happens on a daily basis, Cheryl. Like, you know, so Lola but in the mirror... But they met. Yeah, they, you. they yeah, yeah, tell yeah. me the story. Yeah, yeah. So, so this bloke, you know, but this happens every day. Where honestly, almost every second day, I'll get someone send me a love story, or oh, someone will bump wow. in. It's it's the legacy of love stories, and it's a wonderful legacy. Yeah. Is that every second day, I just get either Instagrammed or DM'd or phoned, <laughs> or or someone sends a letter via yeah. Harper Collins. And anyone who's listening to this, please keep them coming. I read every one of them, and I love them. And they're. Yeah. All possibly going to be going into a maybe a follow up for that book uh, one day, but this particular guy. Okay, so I'm at I'm at uh, the Canberra a Canberra book event for Lola in the Mirror. Beautiful event, amazing people, and I'm at the signing table and this couple comes up and uh, and the bloke says, "Train, I just need to tell you a story." So I was uh, at your event with the wonderful Lisa Miller at the oh, Canberra Writers that I had with Lisa Miller, Miller. Yeah, like yeah. national treasure. Yeah, yeah, love her. And uh, I was listening to you talk to Lisa Miller about love stories. And I was like, man, I wasn't even into your books. Mm. I felt like he'd almost been dragged along, you know, like yeah. it was just like, and he's sitting there <laughs> and he's just, and he's listening to me tell these stories of love stories on yeah. that day. This is like yeah. sort of two years ago, right? Yeah. Two or three years ago. Yeah. And he's going, I'm never going to, in his head, he's going, yeah, this is all well and good what this joker from Brisbane is talking about, the power of love. Mm. Don't get me wrong, that book, Love Stories, is dark and it's got all kinds of love stories and tragic love stories and stuff as well. But he's hearing them all and he's just going, I'll never, I'll never even get to have any of those love stories because yeah. I just, you know, he'd reached, I don't know, maybe his early 20s. I think feeling- he said a line in terms of like, <laughs> I remember what, yeah, what he yeah, said. Yeah. He said something like, um, maybe this isn't my destiny or love yeah, it was something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 may, yeah, may, yeah. Like maybe love, you know, isn't for me. You know, yes. maybe it's for everyone else, but not not yes, me, right? I think that's what it was. So it goes to that goes to that event that night, right? He's mm. got to fly to Brisbane, mm. and uh, he's he goes into his seat, right? He's got an aisle seat, yeah, and he puts his belt on, yeah, and he's just watching these couples file through mm-hmm. into the plane to take their seats, and he's still looking at. Them. More. He's still dwelling on this thing. He's heard me talk about all these love stories. And he's like, yeah, yeah there they go. There's yep. more loves. <laughs> and he says, like, in his head, it's like, 
who the it's like everything that Dalton said is just nonsense. Love stories don't exist. It's not as if love just comes along one day and plops itself right beside you, right? Mm. And then this girl, <laughs> this girl comes in and she's like, you know, he looks at her and she's like, really, really beautiful. And, uh, and he's just like, wow, wouldn't that be amazing having a girl like that? And uh, she plops herself down right beside him. And he's like, um, yep, yeah, of course, here's, here's a potential love story, but how on earth would I ever make contact with this girl? How would I even begin a love story with this girl? Well, Cheryl, she, she, the, the plane takes off. She leans down into a bag and pulls out a copy of Love Stories. Mm. And, uh, it's amazing <laughs> and she starts story. reading it and then he's got his in. Oh, and, he, yeah. and he leans over and he says, I'm sorry to bother you, but I just need to tell you that I just saw that guy talking at the Canberra Writers Festival. And she goes, oh, my God, I love this book. And he goes, well, I love the guy. It was amazing. I really believe in every story he told. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and they, uh, two years together. later, absolutely together and yeah. on their way to yeah. the most amazing love story. Yeah. yeah. Love sure, it. You sure should that, include them in your next book. I should, actually. I it's should, a beautiful actually. It's story. A beautiful, but, I mean, mate, they, they happen every day. A girl sent me a, a thing. You know, this is a while back, this one, but it stood out. She goes, Tramp, I was reading your book, Love Stories, and um, and it was, she was reading a love story. She got really moved, right? Yeah. She got really moved by a piece, right? She started getting emotional, right? Just as she was reading this particular story. There's a lot of stories in that book, a lot of emotional ones. And this gentle bee, a bee, right. came down and sat on the page, right? Oh. Right near her. And, and it, it wasn't scared of her finger being on the page. Right? It was just this gentle bee just buzzing on the page, sitting there, right? She goes, Trent. I am now, she was out of love, right? She's like, a similar thing. When will I ever find love mm. like this that I'm reading in this thing? I'm, I'm telling you, this is, this is wow. people writing to yeah. me. And she says, um, <laughs> she goes, Trent, like the next day. I said, this is no, this oh, is wow. no joke. I posted this. I've met my current love of my life. We wow. are, and uh, guess what he does for a living? He's a beekeeper. Keeper. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Did you know wow. what I was going to say? Yeah, wow. I tell that story and everyone says that. They go, he's a beekeeper. Yeah, it's, ama- it's amazing. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It yeah. just gets back to what... Yeah. I, it, it's a risk. Everything that book's a risk. Me, yeah. I owned it every bit. I'm yeah. like the sentimental idiot with a sign going sentimental. I literally put that title on myself. Yes, mm. I know I'm a sentimental writer. 
collecting love stories. I was the first to say it. And, and mm. listen, like that dude who hates my guts, whatever, I'm totally fine with that. But trust me, I hate myself more than him. Don't worry about that. But oh, it's like, okay. no, no, no. But it's yeah. like, but that's why I do these things. I'm going, no, I'm trying to like just Put get out there and out be there. out, be, yeah. be better and learn. And, you know, but it's like that takes, takes risk. It and does. Well, as well as universe took risk. And yeah, it's, yeah. All, it's all, it's all putting crazy, your heart yeah. out there, you know. But the thing is people come back and yeah. they go, no, thank you for doing that because that's my story. Yeah. That's that's right. Um, I was. I'm going to tell you a story about you. You know. <laughs> now, so do you know? Recently, I was at that Harper Collins event, and you got up and spoke. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It was Holly Ringland, you and yeah, Julia, Julia Bella, Baird, yeah. Bed, and yeah. the other wonderful. Um, oh, lady. the visitors. Yeah, yes, yeah. The visitors. Amazing. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. Right. Um, that was such a great event. I loved oh, it. Oh, thank you for coming. Thank yeah. you for coming. And I then you yeah. got up and started talking and you said something like, and I, I won't get this, uh, I'm paraphrasing, something like that love saved you that growing up and it wasn't until you found your love, your partner, your love for her saved you from the life that you might have been destined oh, for, right? No doubt about it. Yeah. yeah. So you said that that night. Mm. Moved me to my core, right? Oh, wow. So I wake up the next... So I'm here the next morning and I'm recording a podcast with Martin Flanagan, right, who's a journalist and who's written a book about... It's a non-fictional book, book about abuse in a boarding school that he went to. Oh, damn. Child sexual abuse. Right. He wasn't abused, but other people were. Right, right. And here I am talking to him and then he says to me almost verbatim, and then I met this girl... And it changed my life. Yeah. It took me off that path and onto another one. Uh, and I'm like, <laughs> I've heard that like within 24 hours. That's amazing. It is amazing, isn't that's it? That's kind of amazing that two men would be sort of, you know, sharing like that. And, you know, mm. and that's Martin, no doubt, just going, yeah, like mm. he's he's seen the cracks, right? Mm. He's been in them mm. and he's gone, look what oh, got they me had out. A terrible... you know? And often it is that. Yeah. You know? Often yeah, it is yeah. the love. And, yeah. Well, that gets. Honestly, Lola in the Mirror is all about that, what, what you just said with, in regards to me. When I was a boy, so Lola in the Mirror, this girl's on the run and she finds this mirror and she's trying to find this version of herself. Mm. Basically, essentially, it's a love story, but it's about identity as well. And it comes from, my brother and I had this mirror in our house growing up. We were raised by my dad and we had this Lifeline mirror, this, this duchess that we got from Lifeline. And, uh, and it looked like Elizabeth Taylor's mirror, right? It was like something Elizabeth Taylor should have had, like really ornate. It was just not <laughs> not the type of mirror that two ruffian, barefoot Queensland kids should have. <laughs> but when I was 12, Cheryl, when I looked in that mirror, I saw really wondrous things. I saw a lot of hope and a lot of just, I don't know, dreams of being a great football player or a great, you know, whatever, a great writer, like mm. some, you know, and by the time I got to about 16, I swear it had really, all of that had died off. Mm. All, all of those it's a theme in my book. The girl, our girl, sees this Lola, this this Lola in the mirror, and it's this incredible version of a woman that this girl might want to be. Well, for me, in my teen years, that those versions of me started to disintegrate, and the same mm-hmm. thing happens in my book. Lola starts to disintegrate as the world gets tougher and tougher and tougher for her. Mm-hmm. It's essentially her dream starts to disintegrate. And so, by the time I was sixteen, all I did was stare into the mirror and. You know, sorry for swearing, is it? No, it's fine. I swear all the time. All all I would say, Cheryl, honestly, I'd pull this baseball cap over my head and I'd reach for my smokes and I'd just essentially say if I said anything to myself, it was, you know, fuck them all. Mm -hmm. And it was me just kind of just hating the past, Mm -hmm. hating the present and Mm -hmm. hating what I saw for my future. And then by some flippin' miracle, um, the city of Brisbane, this is the thing I write about Brisbane all the time, the city of Brisbane, not only did it just like 
you know, save my family through just compassionate governments and compassionate people like Lifeline people and St. Mm. Vinny's people who brought us bloody Christmas we, boxes We're very and stuff. well um, prepared for stuff like that. We like, are, right? Yeah. We are. Yeah, we are. And, and we are. And we're so lucky, right, mm. to, to mm. have that. And uh, for some reason, I jagged a job as a journalist. And, mm. and I met a girl on January 10, 2000. And, mm. and I started to like what I saw in the mirror again. Mm. I started combing my hair. I started mm. dressing better. Mm. I started running after that girl at train stations. And I, and <laughs> you I started had, stalking? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, you got, no, it's true. But I did it in a gentle sort of romantic way. Yes. Um, but, um, but, yeah, and I started to genuinely like what I saw in the mirror. And it was bloody... Yeah, of course it was love. I know it sounds incredibly cheesy, but it's true. Like, you, you can when you're feeling those feelings. Mm-hmm. You start to... You start to appreciate yourself and you go, all right, I'm ready. I'm off. I'm going to mm. go off bouncing, you know, mm. uh, uh, rather than what I was doing at 16 going off moping, you know. Mm. It's like it's a very powerful thing, very powerful thing that Martin says. And and you know what? It's the most true thing of all. Mm. It, it is – Cheryl, to me that's just the truth of life. We, mm. are, we are here. We are here on this planet. I'm 44 years of age and if, if love stories taught me anything, I mm. sat on the corner for two months asking all these strangers to tell me about love mm. and if I learned. And they did. They sure did. They, Isn't that just, let, that's beautiful that oh, people are just prepared to do that. How amazing are, yeah, are Australians. Yeah. Just, do you know, but I think if you reach out, because people always say to me, oh, people talk to you. Well, people talk to me because I smile at them. I make eye contact. Oh. I'm at the airport the other day. There's a woman uh-huh. reading the trend. I posted it. Oh, I saw, thank you for that. I love that. And I said to her, Oh, we know Trent because it was Jane and I. I said, we know Trent. She's like, what? What? She was beside herself. And I said, I'm happy to take the photo. I won't put your face in it. She said, no, no, I want him to see me. <laughs> oh, did she? Well, I, I loved that, Cheryl. You, did, you know, you that stuff. Yeah. And yeah. that's all because you decided to make contact. Oh, all the time. And look what came of that. Look yeah, what yeah. came of that. Not only you made her day, you made my day. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And you and Jane hopefully had a fun time doing yeah. it, you know? And it's like, that's flipping beautiful, mm, right? Because mm. what else are we doing? We've got our heads down and we're listening to stuff or whatever. But it's like, it's it's a, it's what you put out, absolutely. And that is me ultimately, mm. absolutely putting mm. something out there. It's mm. so incredibly vulnerable. Not only. Yeah, like people tell you to f off when you're sitting mm. in this in a, in a corner yeah, in the city for right. eight hours. They thought I was selling solar paneling. They thought I was a hustler. Uh, you know, one guy told me he was going to bury my head in concrete, and I'm like, thanks, I needed that. Yeah. But also, 150 people said, "Can I tell you about my dead husband? You know, can I tell you about mm. I'm I'm blind? Can I tell you about what it's like to have a love for 30 years who's been by my side, mm. and I love." her dearly and I've never even seen her face and she's the most beautiful person in the world and I don't even have to see her face Mm. and things like that and can I tell you about the husband I lost because he was walking under a shopping uh, uh, shop front awning and it collapsed and his last act because he's the type of guy who who gets down on he gets down low to talk to young children Mm. when he's talking to them his last act as that thing fell was to push two kids out of the way you know, you're just talking, just mm. talking. Mm. And it's like, I might not have heard those stories if I mm. hadn't put myself out there. It's people a great my, lesson. People my age, and I'm a lot older than you, but people my age often, much, <laughs> yeah. often say to me, oh, I feel invisible. Do you feel invisible? Oh, yeah, yeah. But I don't feel invisible. Yeah. I absolutely don't. Yeah. And I think that's because I look and I smile and I talk to people. Like I'm... You know, when I'm out there, I'm not just out there by myself. You know, I'm out there to make connections all of the time. Tiny. I mean, I'm not going to bother people and talk to them forever. Oh, yeah. there's a crazy lady. Yeah. No. But I, I mean, you know, just the other day I was walking, walking the dog, my blind deaf dog around the park and there was a lady and she would have been 
mid-70s mm-hmm. at least, mm-hmm. and she's working for council and she's scraping the benches. Now, that's a hard yeah. job, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, I'm just going to go up and say hi, right? Yeah. And she put everything down and she started talking to me. And when I walked away, she said, you just made my day. Oh. And I thought, because what's the story behind her having to do that? Cheryl. Be open. Yeah. Talk to people. So Boy Swallows Universe was a th- – you could yes. tell your life in three words, right? Boy Swallows Universe. That was the thing his editor told him. Lola and the Mirror can be defined in two words, I swear. The whole book, 400 pages, yeah. defined in two words. Nobody's invisible. That's right. That's what that whole book's about. That's it's, right. This girl finds herself within this homeless community. She's on the run. Her mum's done something terrible back in the day. They're on the run. They find visibility within a loving group of five people living by the river in, in Brisbane. And it would be natural. She, there's a moment that the girl is standing in the middle of the street and then all these business people and passers-by are just going, sur- going by her, not seeing her. And she realises, she starts saying it out loud. I'm invisible. Mm. I am invisible. She starts shouting it. I am invisible. No one even looks at her. And she starts to genuinely believe that she has the power of invisibility. That comes with great burdens and, and, and great benefits. Ultimately, it makes you feel sad. And, mm. uh, and the love story in the book all comes, of course, when, you know, the first She's young seen. man who is seen, you know, and, that, and that's something very powerful. We it all just is. need to feel seen. And yeah. I just love that. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you made that woman's of course. Oh, because of course. What you're doing by that is going, hey, yeah, yeah. I'm recognizing that you're here every yeah, day doing this. Yeah. Hard so we job. can all park our backsides on this nice mm. clean bench, you know? Yeah, like that, that's right. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Who sees that? I of course, I don't yeah. often see that. And no. you know, there's so many things I don't see. But mm. I'm and I'm one of the I'm trying to look, but mm. yeah, that's that's excellent. It's incredible. Nobody's invisible. Now listen, I want to talk about um uh, I know we've spoken a few times and I think earlier on you said to me that you didn't feel like you were an author. Or... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where yeah. are we at with that? Oh, you're the best. <laughs> you're the best. That is so funny. Yeah. Like I remember Cheryl coming to this beautiful office and talking yeah. to you for the first time and you were so sweet to me about Boy Swallows Universe and mm, we love And it. I just remember you going like, "Hey, you know, this is all right. Yeah. It's all right." <laughs> You it's going to be something. And you don't believe it, I swear. And it's and I think it's my past. It's everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't you don't feel like you're worthy of even the good things that are happening to you or something. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's all that. It's mm-hmm. it's even beyond imposter syndrome and all that. And and there was this time, I swear, yeah, I, I would always – I would barely write um, – when I would sign off on my email, you know, when you put your little job yeah. description or something, it's like Trent yeah. Dalton. And I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd barely write journalist even. Yeah. And I was a journo and I still am. <laughs> I've been a journo for 23 it, years. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a long time just to call myself a journalist because I, I felt – I wasn't like Hedley Thomas or Kate McClymont or something. Yeah. And so I got over that and started calling myself a journalist. That was a stretch. <laughs> to call myself but- an author, you know, like I was like, okay, well, I wasn't calling myself that after mm-hmm. Boy Swallows Universe. No. Even though that book did all yeah, right, right? Yeah, yeah. And, I and- noticed it on your email signature as well. I think we got something from you <laughs> at it- some point. I showed it to Jane. <laughs> Is yeah. that right? Yeah, That's yeah. so funny. Yeah, yeah. So I still don't necessarily say that. I look, Cheryl, I have to just come to terms with it. I've written five books now. You know, yeah. so I'm like, you know, yeah. what am I if not yeah. that? And but, five um, bestsellers as well. Thank you. Yeah, well, yeah. thanks. So I'm really proud <laughs> of them, not... you know, and like, yeah. And, and also you've become a superstar in such a short period of time in terms of stories and changing people's lives and, you oh, know, I love it. And thanks, it's Cheryl. it's really my style of story. Oh, thank um, you. Thank I want you. to ask you about writing before yeah. we go. Yeah. Um, 
Is it just as hard? Is it getting easier? Does practice help when you're writing? Oh. Like, you know, have you thought about the next book? Yeah, yeah. No, it, like I'm, I'm, I've still got so much to learn, you know, mm. and, and I've still got so many more books to read. Mm. That's my next sort of thing. People go, what are you writing next? And the more important for me thing for me is what are you reading mm. next? And I've, I learn so much just from smashing a lot of books before I start to write mm. again. A lot of brilliant books to show mm. you how to write, hopefully brilliantly. Mm. And uh, but I was, I'm really proud of Lola, like, yeah. and I'm really proud of what it, where that went and how I did it. Was it, it hard to write? Yeah, it was one of the. Oh, no, not not as hard as um, All Our Shimmering Skies was hard to right. write because that was the one after the big behemoth. Yes. Boy, that one was hard. Yes. Once I got over Shimmering Skies, it was all good, Cheryl. Right. It really was. And yeah. Love Stories was brilliant for that too. Yeah. A little nice little palate cleanser in between. It was a bit and of then, respite, I thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was that. really nice. And then to go in, by the time I reached the end of Lola, I was like, I tell you, I, I never forget. It was um, James Keller. He used to run. I know James. Harper, you know James. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he used to run Harper Collins, and he sat me down once. We were, it was sort of Boyce Willis Universe was taken off, and I was ready to go back to my day job. You know, mm. I love journalism, yeah. so I'm happy, right, to go yeah. back to that. Yeah. And he said, Trent, uh, I want you to write seven books. Wow. I want you to then write nine books. You know, and wow. I was like, What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, what are you talking about, <gasps> you lot. wild and crazy man? You know, <laughs> yeah. but what he was saying was, yeah. I hope you're writing until you're seventy. Yeah, and it's yeah. like that, you know, and it, it's people like Tom Keneally and Stephen oh. King and you know, these people that I see and just go, they just have worked their asses off mm. for years just plugging away and just doing the job. And mm. it's like that excites me. And that's very journalistic. Like mm. I see it as a nine to five Meet the deadline. And do, do you job. do that when yeah, you're writing? Yeah, always. you do. Oh, now, yeah. I think when I first, when we first spoke for Boys Follows Universe, you were doing it before the kids woke up. Was that right? Before yeah, yeah, the kids, yeah. Uh, when the kids went to bed. Oh, for sure. Yeah, particularly when the kids went. I wrote it Boys was, Follows Universe yeah, uh, mostly. When they went to bed. Yeah. yeah, I'd knock off. I had a full-time job. And yes. I'd knock off and then we'd do dinner. I'd, like, put the kids to bed. And That's eight, right. eight till 10 p.m. I went downstairs and wrote that book. Yes. And, the thing with that, and here's my process, I still do the same thing. I, right. I think about, I genuinely think about my life if I hadn't met Fiona and yeah. had those two girls that, that you know, you speak yeah. of. They're massive in, my, you know, in, mm. the, in the process. They're, mm. they're, they play a big part because I think of my life had none of that happened. And Cheryl, it's a fact. I mm. would be a drunk. I would be a drunk eating Red Rooster chips and, and watching Platoon, you know, mm. it, and it, and it's a terrifying future, mm. you know, it's a terrifying mm. vision. And I think about that often before I jump into writing and it's very empowering. Like mm. you feel an electricity in your fingertips if you think like that. And I still do that to this day. And so, so then I just proceed, you know, mm. from the heart and trying to write from some place of truth and get that on the page. So, as far as my writing, that's sort of where I'm at, and I still do that. It's what I did for Boy, and it's what I did for Shimmering Skies, like everything, you know, I just do that. And it's like, and it's really my way of writing. But um, yeah, and so, yeah, I'm really excited about the next one. The thing I'm at now is like I've written a lot about Australian youth, and I'm kind of, interestingly, all those stories really sort of followed the ages. All the characters in my books have followed the ages of my daughters as they've mm. grown up. My eldest daughter is now turning 17 in February. Wow. Yeah. So they were probably like 12 when I first yeah, spoke to yeah, you. Yeah, little. But, you know, the interesting thing is now that she's becoming an adult, like I'm ready to write some stuff about adults, you know. Yeah. And it's like it's a really weird thing. I never even really realised I was doing that. Mm. And um, and I think I am writing these books for them, mm. that they've got some message, all, all the things I want to tell them, all the wisdom and heart that I want to share, maybe it's all for them. Mm. Yeah. Mm, I think we'll end on that note. Trent Dalton, thank you so much. Cheryl, it's such a pleasure. Thanks for your time and your heart. 
If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.